0: if you're trying to copy like one person it's really obvious but if you're trying to copy like all of your influences and inspirations you are the only person in the middle of that venn diagram the more you draw from outside of that bubble the more unique your sound is going to be this
1: is the last week liquid podcast what is up you ledgers hope you're all doing great welcome back to the last week liquid podcast my name is simon And I produce drum and bass under the name Mill Street. And today I am bringing you my chat with Elliot, better known as Talamik. A few quick things before I leave you to the episode. Um, I recently launched uh, my Discord server for this podcast. Link is in the description of this episode. Discord is going to be the main place where I now interact with you guys, with the whole community. Ask for feedback and get a discussion started on, on the episodes and topics we talk about. So... Make sure to join uh, the server if you're active on Discord. Secondly, make sure to rate this podcast uh, on Spotify. Um, Spotify recently launched a feature where you can now rate uh, from one to five stars uh, any podcast. So if you're listening on Spotify or if you have Spotify, uh, make sure to go and give it a rating. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, they also have a rating, so make sure to rate it there as well. It just helps other people discover the show. And finally, a big uh, shout-out to my Liquid Legends supporters uh, over on Patreon. Um, Shout-outs this week to Christian Smith, Duncan Winslow, Elliot Berger, who is the guest today, Graham Metcalf, Mark Luna, Nathan McKay, Steve Nelson. Uh, big ups to you guys, and thanks for your support. On to the episode now. Second time uh, sitting down with uh, Elliot. Uh, we spoke about a year ago uh, for the release of his uh, Window Light EP, and now with the release of his new EP on Liquisty called Come With Me, I figured it was time to have him back on the show. We talk about uh, the magic of getting back to shows and why he never takes playing live for granted. We obviously talk quite a bit about his new EP Come With Me. We talk about why you should stop looking at your streaming stats, and I'm probably the worst for that, so definitely a few lessons there for me. We talk about his work as a sound designer uh, and tips for people who want to get into the sample pack business and a lot more. As always, it was a huge pleasure chatting with Elliot. Uh, really enjoyed this discussion, um, so I do hope you guys enjoy this chat as well. As always, thanks a lot for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Today I have the immense pleasure of sitting down for a second time with none other than Elliot, also known as Talamic. Elliot is a drum and bass producer and DJ with a majority of his releases on Liquicity. As you listen to this, his brand new four-track EP, Come With Me, will be out on all platforms featuring collabs with Road and Empaths. Elliot, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, good to be back. How are you? Doing very well, man. I was just reflecting on how it's, uh, kind of strange that like the first time you came on the show was episode 12 back in, I checked December of 2020. So yeah. a bit more than a year ago, we'd never spoken before that episode. So it was kind of like surreal for me. And since then we've kept in touch. We've been chatting over the year. You're, uh, one of the, the great patrons of my show, which <laughs> I'm really grateful for. Um, so yeah, it's just really cool to have you back on, man. How are you doing? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely a pleasure, man. Uh, you know, I've been following the podcast since, well, before you had me on. Um, so it's been a long time. It's also weird that obviously last time we spoke was right in the thick of lockdown. So mm. very different. Well, having said that, we're obviously back there again, but slightly yeah. different situation now to what it was before, I guess.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was listening back to that episode we we did together and just to like refresh my memory on the topics we talked about and and stuff like that and it still felt very current because we were talking about shows being cancelled and lockdowns and stuff and obviously it's not exactly the same but weirdly a year on it still feels very (laughs) which is kind of depressing but yeah (laughs) yeah december was rough Um, and there were a lot of like
0: lost shows over december so and it's difficult now because places are still in lockdown people don't know what's going on we're not here but i don't play many shows in the uk anyway compared to my bookings abroad so for me like it doesn't make much difference whether we're open here or not in terms of like my djing it means Mm -hmm. i can still go to shows i can still enjoy shows but um in terms of performing and traveling i'm yeah very much isolated at the moment yeah but it's what it
1: is yeah yeah no for sure I did see that uh, obviously you picked up shows again I don't know towards this summer or something or July, August, September when you started doing shows again. Um, It did feel like quite an important moment for you like you were posting a lot on your socials about how special and important it was for you to do shows again.
0: Yeah yeah I mean it was especially I think I was plunged in the deep end with it like the first show back was Prague for Liquicity and that's 4,000 5,000 people and that was the first show back so it was like a major jump biggest show I've ever done having not played for like two years basically at that point um you know it was awesome the f- The first one was a little bit like easing into it um mm-hmm. in the sense that I was nowhere near as comfortable performing as i was like with shows that came after that but i've since played some of the best shows that i've ever done mm-hmm. um liquidity rotterdam was like a major highlight um and that was like you know three quarter capacity it had to be during the day because they could only mm-hmm. have shows in the netherlands until midnight or something and then it had to shut it makes no sense to me but it is what yeah. it is um you know so to have such a great experience with still like restrictions and rules and all of that in place um yeah it it was awesome and I think like you know there was so much music I'd released I think I'd done two maybe three EPs Mm. since playing shows again which means there were all these tunes that people knew that I hadn't played out Mm. um so it was nice to like crowd test tunes I guess that were already out so I suppose it's not really crowd testing but you know it was certainly like my first experience seeing them so
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. did you get a lot of people like seeing like lyrics and, and stuff like that or
0: yeah which is always always weird I don't know like it, it's slightly detached I suppose because I don't write most of the vocals that I deal with normally I do all the instrumental writing all the instrumental production and vocal production but the actual vocal writing I don't do all of them so so there's a little part of me that's like it almost feels like they're singing someone else's tune right in Mm, in a weird kind of way yeah yeah, yeah. um but it's still surreal like you know this tune that i made in the room i'm in now which is like i mean it's a studio but it is a bedroom basically and that we've like cleared everything out of um and to see that from this small room into like a big venue and see people singing it back to you it's I don't think it's something that gets old. I would hope something that doesn't get I was, old. I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So, so, so you said you don't usually get involved in like the writing of, of lyrics. Does that mean you do get involved like sometimes? Or
0: Yeah, so there are sometimes it'll be if I've got a session with a vocalist, we'll write it together. Um, mainly because... I'm not good at coming up with that initial idea, but I'm good at tweaking it, adjusting it, going, it needs to do this, this lyric should be this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That side of it, I'm quite good at. But coming up with that core idea, I can't come up with, with vocal hooks in the same way that some people can. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I think it's about playing to your strengths, right? Like,
1: because
0: yeah. I know a lot of people that do do it um, and do all their vocal writing um and come up with concepts i was talking to crash comet about it um a while ago and he would he does all of it he sings on some of his own tunes all of Mm. this and i but for me it's like it's just not a strength of mine it's just not something that i'm really good at and if i can get someone like emily makers or or whatever to write a really strong vocal on a tune like that's what she's really good at Yeah, yeah, yeah so you know i'll write the basis for it send it off and then if it comes back and it needs some tweaks, I can give that advice and and those notes. But mm. yeah, normally it's like get them to do it because it's a strength of theirs and not a strength of mine. So
1: yeah, yeah. Now it's really important to know where your strength lies, and and yeah, obviously they've done it like depending on what vocalist, which vocalist it is, but they've done it like a hundred times. So like they know. Oh, this hook is good or, or not and exactly like and
0: like <laughs> vocalists know their own range and exactly what yeah. they're good at and what they're not good at in terms of their style and everything as well like um you know we had the back in october november we had the liquidity, liquidity writers camp and they got a load of vocalists and songwriters and stuff down and you know they've all got such different styles and tones and everything you could have a session with one vocalist and take it to the next person and then just not gonna be able to perform it in the same way right Mm. um so yeah i think it's so dependent that it's just like
1: a hands-off thing
0: for me really yeah yeah definitely
1: just coming back to your your prague show there that you mentioned like four thousand whatever capacity as your first show that do do you remember like practicing a lot to before the show or did you go into it like kind of cold and just see how it went how what was kind of your mindset at the time
0: I'll, I'll always practice like I think it's important so I always say first of all I'm like a producer before a DJ right mm. the reason I DJ is because I make dance music and so it's a natural evolution of that Um, but at the same time I think it's important to be it's part of the whole craft. It's part of my job. And so you have to practice and be good at that. Um, and I, I think it's obvious, like... It's going to sound bad. I think it's obvious when you see someone DJing and they just don't practice ever and they mm. just put a set together on the spot and it just sounds like a mess and they obviously don't really know what they're doing. And they might be an incredible producer, but you know that's one half of the coin and if you're choosing you know like if you do what mike kiss did right or i was going to mention him, and <laughs> just don't dj yeah until you are able to do it that's fine cool i get that um yeah. you know he was basically like i'm not good enough at it so i'm not going to play shows mm. perfect i completely respect that if that's a choice he's made but if you're like i'm not good at it but someone's going to pay me 300 quid, 500 quid, whatever to play a show. So I'm going to go and do it. Mm. I don't know. There's something wrong about that. So for me, it's Mm. like, you have to, I'm not DJing, you know, 40 hours a week or something. I'm not trying to keep up with Andy C or anything like that. But I, I try and practice regularly enough. So that like, when you play a show, people are like, that was really good. And and I think that's important that you kind of maintain that. Um, yeah, as I said, if, if people don't it, it shows.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, obviously it's uh it's it's not the even though there's a lot of jokes that like DJing is quite easy and stuff like that, but you can definitely notice when especially in terms of like I think the actual set list and how tracks are are picked. Like if mm-hmm. that if that hasn't been thought through a minimum, you can you can feel it, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there is detriment to like planning every second of a set Mm. um but yeah if if you're going out with no idea and like first 10 minutes is like really hard and then it goes into something really deep for half an hour and then it kind of picks up and plays a couple of random tunes that are heavier and then it ducks down again or whatever Mm. it's clear there's no thought there so
1: yeah yeah Yeah. thankfully
0: it's few and far between but yeah as i said it does happen
1: yeah no i think it's it's good also that you feel some kind of like responsibility towards people that actually come to the show if there's four thousand people that paid 15 20 euros to come and see you it's kind of the 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 least you can do is to like make sure it's as good as it can be (laughs) and i think there's also like so
0: on the bigger shows you're obviously talking about like a big lineup um and i'm one of the smaller names on that lineup and so i feel like there's also a point to prove right like mm. there'll be a lot of people one seeing for me for the first time who maybe know my tunes but i like oh yeah we'll come down because tonal playing or there'll be people that have never heard me before have never heard my music anything and both of those you need to impress them almost i guess like yeah. if you just play a really mediocre set you've missed out on promoting yourself to however many people yeah um so yeah, I, I think that there's the side of like, people have paid money, a promoter has paid you. um, And sometimes that's not just your fee, that might be like travel and accommodation and all this, like it's, it gets expensive. Mm. Um, And there's also the side that you need to promote yourself and yeah, make yeah. a point and like keep up, you know, some of the shows I'm playing, you're playing with like guys like Maddock and that who have been doing it for a really long time and who were really good at what they do so Mm. if you're on that lineup you need to be able to hit at that level yeah Yeah. so
1: is is there a do you prepare your sets in a different way if you're as you said like one of the smaller quote-unquote artists on the on the bill versus maybe shows your headlining i'm thinking of like the i think the crash comet uh launch party for his album or his ep i think you were playing or the Sunny Moves yeah. one where I think you were headlining as well.
0: Yeah, it, it's probably more based on when you're playing than where mm. you are. Um, okay. yeah. The advantage with the liquidity stuff is like they all play a lot of dance floor and I don't play a lot of dance floor. So I do a bit, but I'll just make sure that I steer clear of like tunes that I know they might play. Mm. Um, But I can get away with playing... A pretty broad range of of liquid stuff, um, because I know they they're not going to touch on it, um, or not going to touch too much on it. Um, I had the same conversation with um Andy from Technomatic, and he said the same thing. Like, we're not going to play what they're going to play, so yeah, we'll just play whatever feels right for us. It's more about whether you're playing at eleven o'clock or 3 a.m. or something right mm. um to the kind of energy that you need to go in with whether you're going in with like much heavier much darker tunes or whether it's going to be like soulful liquid stuff to sort of bring the night in mm. so yeah as i said much more based on i would have said the time that you're playing than where you are on the on the. yeah, line. yeah.
1: although those two might be linked like if you're yeah playing yeah, later yeah. you're probably higher up the bill <laughs> but then even if you're like halfway up the
0: bill you might be before the headliner or you might be after um and that makes a massive difference as well like if you're closing out a night and you open with soulful tunes people are going to have their last drink and go home oh for sure so (laughs) yeah it's like a weird but then on the other side of that like i've had guys open for me playing like neuro like dead limit and stuff like before me and i'm like (laughs) Um did you check the lineup? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did a, one with um Los Contreras in New York, probably like six years ago now. Mm. Um and he was the headliner and I was the support and the guy opened playing Neuro at like nine o'clock and I'm like <laughs> the the two guys that you're supporting aren't gonna this is way off what you're if you're supporting Neuser I wouldn't open that hard, right? But you're not opening <laughs> for Neuser, you're opening for us, so
1: Read the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Did you ever get a chance to like close off parties?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I find closing nights can be like either really good or really bad. (laughs) Mm. Depends on the crowd, and there's like no way to judge it. Like sometimes the headliner will finish their last tune, and before the last tune's even done, half the crowd have left, Mm. Um, and sometimes. I played after Artificial Intelligence back in 2019, 18. And I played for an hour and a half. And then the guy who was meant to play after me was like ill or didn't show up or something. And the promoter came over during my set and was like, can you go for like as long as you can, basically. Mm. So I ended up playing for three hours. And the oh, room shit. was rammed for all three hours, like closing a night out from three Sick. till Six. Um. So yeah, you literally never know. Sometimes it's, as I said, sometimes it's like the best thing in the world, and sometimes it's just terrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh depends who played red right before you, as you said. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. If they went really heavy and everybody's just wrecked, shattered. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like oh shit. And we've <laughs> been there, right? Like, you go to a night and it gets to like halfway through, and you're like exhausted, and you're checking your watch. And oh all yeah, times, yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, cool. I yeah, I still haven't been to shows in years. I need to go back as soon as possible. Oh uh. well,
0: mate, it was like the week. I think we opened on the Monday back in like June, July, whenever it was, and Loa and Hugh Hardy were playing like a small event in London on the Saturday, and literally just a group of us were like, "We're open Saturday. We're going out. Done easy." Mm i just had to get back it's like a big part of and i think is certainly for me as an artist a big part of where i get inspiration from is seeing the music in that context and seeing it in clubs and all that so
1: yeah 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 no definitely so yeah last time we spoke roughly a year ago so 2021 has gone by not exactly the year we had in mind (laughs) uh after 2020 but uh how obviously quite some highs in your in your year from from what you're saying how was your 2021 overall
0: yeah it was good it was good um it it feels weird saying it like being oh 2021 was a good year because it it wasn't but like from probably september through to december i had a bunch of just incredible experiences for me um and it was nice to be able to travel again and like see people again and all the rest of it and yeah and like a lot of music came out for me in 2021 that was that you know like sort of grew the telomic like name and brand and it -hmm. gets i get recognized more now um as an artist which is nice um so, yeah, yeah, it was good. Like considering that the first six months were pretty rough and like we didn't know what was going on and when we were mm. getting let out, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was
1: good. Yeah, because yeah, I know you posted on, uh, on Instagram or whatever, your Spotify stats and like they doubled or something in, I think you said they doubled in, in 2021. Yeah, uh, which
0: is... I released more. I think 2020. I released something like 17 or 18 songs, mm. um, which is a lot. Like for every, and this is probably same for everyone, but for like every one tune that I put out, there's like 10, 20 or whatever that don't make the cut. And so to have put 17 songs out in a year for me was mad. Mm. Um, and so to then release less music the year after and double my Spotify stats was. Was crazy. So yeah. I, esp- I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting it to maybe go up a little bit or stay the same. Yeah. Because um, I don't monitor it on like a month to month basis, really. So.
1: Yeah. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with numbers. It's really a, like something I need to work on. I I'm used obsessed. to be. <laughs>
0: but so when I was doing the EDM stuff before, I did really well on Spotify through that. But when you're hitting you know, like six, seven figures regularly on songs and you're not getting this, that like dopamine hit in mm. your brain, I guess, from that. I stopped chasing it because I was like, you're mm. always going to... First, it's like, I want to hit 10,000, then I want to hit 100,000, then a million, then 10 million. And then like you hit 10 million, you're like, oh, right, next, I want to hit 50 million or 100 million. And it's mm. like when it's never going to end yeah yeah, yeah. um you know and you'll have massive pop artists that are hitting like billions of streams Mm. that in their mind are probably like oh well ed sheeran's got more than me or something right like (laughs) (laughs) i think it's just it's a dangerous game because it just the goalposts will always move um so i sort of deliberately stopped following it as much because i knew that it wasn't gonna
1: help my mental health at all so Yeah, yeah Yeah, and I think at some point, like, does one million or two million really make, like, a difference? Like, obviously it's more more streams and that's great, but in terms of dopamine, in terms of your happiness, are you happier if your song hits two million or three million? Like, I'm not sure. Uh, Sorry, I lost you there.
0: That's all right. We are back now. I don't know oh, if yeah. it's your internet or mine, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, it, it says be. your... It says mine. It's mine, I think.
1: Uh, it's fine. I'll just close okay. off a few... You... No worries, I'll edit this out. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, no, just when you were talking about, like, hitting one million hitting and Pabar is getting, like, huge numbers, I was listening to a bit of a... Just trying to discover new music and listening to Juice World. He's this... Like yep. super super famous like rapper that unfortunately died a few years ago and still gets like I don't know fifty million monthly listeners and a few of his songs have have like two billion listens on yes, Spotify, bad, isn't it? which is like what yeah. like billions like what that's <laughs> crazy. I think this is it. Like there's always
0: going to be that bigger number to strive yeah. to, um and it's that thing of that. I think a lot of us get where it's like you're always comparing yourself to somebody else yeah. and there's always going to be someone else who's doing better than you yeah. in some aspect, right? Like yeah. if, if you're the most dreamed artist in the world, then someone else is doing something that you want to be able to do really well. And they're doing it better than you. Yeah. You, you can't have it all. And I think, um, certainly for me, it's like going for these goals that I can't, you know, if the goalpost is always moving, I'm never going to get it. And then it's like, just, yeah destroys everything
1: like yeah you're just eternally dissatisfied <laughs> yeah
0: yeah exactly exactly
1: yeah on that note i listening back to the episode we recorded last time we spent a fair bit of time talking about not comparing yourself to others and on that note are you still comparing your drums to alb or not <laughs> he's released less music this year which is easier <laughs>
0: um but there's always going to be like I probably said the same last time, right? Like, people will go to you and be like, oh, your drums are great. And there's the A or B thing where we both went to each other and we're yeah, like, "How yeah, yeah. oh, your drums sound like that. Um, but, yeah, like, people will go to you and then you'll listen to it in comparison to, like, Perez or Halogenics yeah. or whatever. And you're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> like you'll never quite get it. Um, mm-hmm. And then someone will put out, like, a bootleg of something stu- like wonder wall or something stupid right with like a break from a pack that you know where they got it from they dragged and dropped it and everyone's like oh this is sick and you're like you're probably worrying too much at yeah. that point um yeah I-, I think it's one of those producer things isn't it like where you spend you have like 30 versions of a tune each one has a different snare drum mm. and you're like the first one was probably fine like no one would have cared but
1: yeah it's always
0: going to be there in your mind if you play it and you're like oh that snare it's just,
1: sorry. I, okay. I, I love that you, you sent me the, the tracks of your new EP and one of them was, which one was it I have here. uh Yeah, Pieces, Telomic Pieces, Master 2, Less Snare. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there's always, I think that might have actually been them rather than me, but there's, um, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think what it is now. I've had so many tunes. Paro, I think, was one. Mm. where for like the longest time we were sending off like because Liquidity had a version of it probably a year before it came out that they were like sending to people um and then they were like right we need the pre-master to do a proper master and I sent it and the snare was just like a whole I just after a year of hearing the same one I swapped it out last minute and was like (laughs) we're going for a different one now um yeah I think it's stuff like that isn't it it doesn't matter but Nah. If it's your tune and you're overly perfectionist about it, like most of us are, then
1: it does matter. So, yeah, yeah. people don't hear the other versions; they only hear no, the finished exactly. ones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you, Have you gotten kind of like better at not comparing yourself to others, or is it still something you're you're like working on?
0: I've gotten less negative about comparing myself to others. It's probably a better way of putting it. I'll always like listen to other artists and be like they are better than me because of xyz but in, in a less self-defeating self-deprecating kind of way mm. um i think part of that is just becoming more confident with the sonic sound and like the way my production sounds um and obviously that's always changing and, and growing and i'm always trying to improve um but, you know, not beating myself up because I don't sound as good as you know, Alex Perez or Workforce or whoever who's been doing this for like mm. three times longer than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's that could only be a good thing, like taking that part of it out. Um And I, I but I think listening to artists who are more experienced than you and being like, Oh, my this could be a little bit tighter, my sub could sit better yeah. or whatever I think that's that's probably a good thing because there's that improvement that comes with that um but yeah certainly better at like not sort of putting myself down as a result of it if that makes sense
1: no absolutely yeah it's really it's it's this really tricky balance because you don't want to live in your small little bubble and not comparing yourself to anybody and then you're just like closed off and you've no idea if what you have is like actually good by today's standards or not (laughs) but then at the same time you don't want to be referencing the best in the scene and just saying oh yeah my stuff is shit actually it's like yeah exactly somewhere in the middle
0: (laughs) you know you're not gonna listen to noise room and just give up because (laughs) you know your basses don't sound as good or or whatever there's um yeah there's balance and there's
1: good ways to to go about it i think yeah yeah definitely so new ep out come with me um i don't think you've released you released an ep in 2021 it was mostly singles i think the window light was right before yeah uh end of 2020 so you got had us waiting for a full year <laughs> to get another ep uh, tell me a bit about writing that that ep were those like old tracks new tracks a bit of both i think um
0: so some of it was like the actual session for Come With Me, we did in December of 2020. Um, like the three of us did like a virtual session and and basically wrote some chords and like sketched out some ideas, um, which in typical fashion, I then changed the chords like two weeks later. Um, but like we had an idea and Brian, the producer from Empaths had sent over some stems. So even when I changed the chords, the key was consistent. So the arps and stuff that he'd written all worked over what I I added. Um, so that was quite a long one. Some of the other stuff came together quite quickly, like Undone um, was quite a quick one. Pieces, again, was quite a quick one. Um, and then it was just a case of, like, going through what I had, sending that to the label and, and sort of packaging it up mm-hmm. Um yeah, I hadn't realized I hadn't released an EP in 2021. I was like, yeah. literally, as you said, Shame that I opened you. Spotify, I was like, wait a sec, did I not? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was just seemed to be compilation bits and bobs and, and all that, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, it was, as I said, it was a mixture of stuff. Like some of it was written a while ago and some of it came together um, quite last minute, but it was all sent off perks of the music industry. Uh, it was all sent off in like August September time mm. and then it's just the process of yeah, yeah, yeah. getting it mastered and, and getting it ready for release and putting it scheduling it in and all that so.
1: Yeah. I guess it must be quite nice to also have a year where you're just releasing on like compilations and stuff and it's not really up to you to do like heavy promotion and stuff because it's quite a intense period I guess when your EP comes out like a lot of promotion and talking about it and.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also like if you're doing an EP, I I always try and think about like varying those tunes up. So you haven't you're not putting out four tunes that are all deep liquid rollers, right? Like mm. there's some variation in that and I'll think, okay, well, we've got two vocal tunes, so it needs to be two instrumental tunes. I wouldn't put out four vocal tunes on an EP or four instrumental tunes on an EP. Mm. Um and so there's like constantly thinking about the bigger picture mm. um even if it's only four tracks whereas when you're doing stuff for a compilation it's you just write a tune that sounds good and you send it off and you're done and that's that yeah. um there's no you don't think about oh well so and so's on this compilation they're going to do this so i'll do this you just yeah write it, music that sounds good and send it off um it's, it's
1: up to label to, yeah, yeah
0: it's up to them to curate it and order it and everything yeah so yeah it was it was like i suppose just a bit more like freeing to do it that way um Mm. i hadn't really thought about it but yeah there's a lot of like that thought process that just doesn't happen when you're doing
1: that kind of work so yeah yeah so tell me a bit about like the the tracks themselves so my favorite is undone uh because um i usually prefer the tracks that are like if somebody's known for more liquid, like social stuff, I usually yep. prefer the heavier hitting stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely the 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 heavier, let's say, uh, of the bunch. Uh, tell me a bit about that track. How, if you remember, like writing it, how did it come about?
0: Yeah, well, so I did. Um, ben from QZB was doing like mentoring sessions and stuff, um, and had advertised them like early twenty twenty one, and i've been thinking about it for a while i try i don't do too many of these kind of things but like for me his mindset and the way he works and everything is so vastly different to the way that i work mm. um that was like it would be infinitely beneficial to sit down with him and and have a few hours just going through stuff and um, in, in, in what ways so he will always just say so there are two things that i got from it one is that For his sound design, he'll just create a rack of of stuff and like tweak settings and record the whole thing as like a 10, 20-minute whatever rambling, I suppose, of sound. Okay. And then go through and cut what sounds good at, keep it and use that. And he'll also just dedicate sessions to sound design, be that the thing that everyone thinks of, which is like basses and stuff, or he'll just make drums and loops and whatever and breaks if he's only got half an hour to spend on music, rather than trying to write a tune, you won't be able to write a tune in half an hour. So he'll make drums for half an hour. Um, And like this mentality of quantity breeds quality. Mm. And so if you're, when it comes to writing tunes outside of these sound design sessions, if you are writing, rather than sitting there and being like, oh, I can't write anything or whatever, just, do it, just sit down and do it. And then for if you're writing 50 tunes by default, there's going to be some good stuff in there. Mm. Um, And it kind of switched. I was sort of locked into this bubble of like the way I was working and that having those sessions switched out for me. And part of the start of Undone was that I spent an evening. I think I was literally on Discord to friends while I was doing it, just chatting. And I was just making drums um Mm -hmm. and all the drums from that are like just taken from this random session um and once I had the drums rolling like because it's such a minimal tune it's atmosphere drums and bass basically there's like some leads and effects and stuff but that was the core of it so once I had that and a chord progression it was set um so yeah it was cool to like step out of what I would normally do and then have a result so quickly from doing that yeah Um. Yeah, which made it quite a fun one to write as well like knowing that that's how it started and that it came together so quickly because I'd already put the work in
1: yeah yeah it's interesting how sometimes you you try new ways of working and you come out with not your best work today but like something you're really happy with yeah uh, yeah definitely and I think the same is like you know
0: working in a different genre like you yeah. might not release it right if i write a house tune i'm probably not going to put it out but it's just fun to like break the mold almost Of like we get so stuck in this thing of like okay right i've started the tune let's switch it to 174 and put a kick and snare pattern in and add some breaks (laughs) over it right like it becomes this routine um and i think a lot of creativity can get lost if you get stuck in this routine because you're doing the same thing every time
1: yeah 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 I think you mentioned that last time as well uh, also of using like hardware to get yep. sh- out of your ways of like knowing okay uh, if I tweak this knob it's going to sound exactly like this because I know this this VST or whatever and when you actually get out of the computer and play on an instrument you yep. kind of lose those those reflexes those habits and that kind of breeds new new results.
0: Yeah, I probably said the same thing last time as well but like for me when I bought so i bought the moog here as like my so when i started producing they bought out um the moog voyager or maybe they bought out the anniversary edition or something like that but they bought out a version of the moog voyager and it was everywhere and um i remember seeing it and being like one day i'll get a Moog." um and so i bought this sort of just as like a gift to myself to be like you've you know you've done it right i do sort of sound design for a living and so I was like, I've earned this. So I bought it. And the first thing I tried to do was like try and replicate sounds that I was making in Serum on Mm -hmm. here. And it doesn't translate in the same way. Um, Partly because obviously you've not got the polyphony that you've got in Serum, but also Mm. the envelopes and the filter and everything act in a different way. And Mm -hmm. so you have to approach it. You know, you still think, okay, well, I'm going to send an alify to this filter because I need the filter to move in a certain way, whatever. That obviously translates, but you're using your ear to dial in values rather mm. than being like the cutoff on this filter needs to be 200 Hertz. Like it's got Hertz markings on the like yeah. frequency markings on the filter and whatever, but it just doesn't sound the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to think about it in a totally different way when you're doing it, um, which makes it more fun. It takes longer, obviously. Mm. Um, and you've got to record it in and cut it up or whatever, but yeah, it's a very different way of working in a very
1: good way. So, Yeah. Is it a, one of those synths that like needs to warm up and gets out of tune and that kind of stuff? Or So, this doesn't. Okay. Uh,
0: it's got tuning built in. So, I've never had it slip out of tune. But if it does, I can actually click a button and it will go through and tune okay. itself. Um, I've got a Behringer Neutron, which is like just down here. And that does. Okay. To the point that it's got a setting in it where you can lock the pitch because it's got two tuning for each thing. But if you lock the pitch in and then it warms up. It locks it out of tune. So like the pitch should be here and it locks it and then drifts out. Okay. Um, (laughs) And the amount of times that I'll like just be working on on it on its own and I'll go to record it in context with everything else and be like, something's not right. (laughs) And it's because it's drifted out. (laughs) And the way you fix it is when it's warmed up, you have to like turn it off and then turn it back on again Uh, and it recalibrates where it's locked to that pitch um and then the poly d up here doesn't drift as much but like the amount of times that you're messing around with something and you nudge one of the tuning for the oscillator and you nudge it like literally a millimeter and it will move a whole semitone out <laughs> and then you've got to like work out which oscillator is off and then oh, yeah Jesus. <laughs> um but it's all part and parcel of like Working with hardware, right, like as I yeah, said, it yeah. is longer, it's more arduous, it's a more involved process, yeah. but if it gets me out of like staring at serum all day, then I'll take it, so
1: yeah, yeah, it's pretty fascinating that a uh, like a synth can get out of tune like we we almost forget that because we're always in a computer and everything's yeah. in tune and just stays that way and but instruments actually get out of tune, like even a piano over years and years we'll get out of tune and but I find like
0: I've got a few guitars in in the cupboard and that like makes sense to me because physically Mm. the string will stretch and like in my brain that I grew up playing violin and so the idea of strings stretching and going out of tune is like embedded. That Mm. I can physically imagine but and I know these are quote unquote analog but for me it's like it still feels like a computer. And so I imagine them as computers and the idea of a computer going out of tune is it would to me it's <laughs> the same as if serum started like drifting yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it just doesn't yeah doesn't compute that that'd be a cool concept for any plugin developers to have like a synth replicate an analog synth that actually goes out of tune to get the full experience, you know. Can you imagine how irritating that would be if you like
0: every time you opened up the project you'd have to go in and tune it first.
1: Yeah, it's like a pre-programmed detuning over time yep.
0: or whatever. Like some of them um pigments by arteria has, which is one of my favorite synths at the moment, has um like a drift knob in it to emulate mm. analog, so it basically every time you're hitting a key it's never going to be bang on.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Um and if you hold a note over time it will like slightly waver on the pitch. Mm um i could like stuff like that is awesome but the idea of having to go into ableton and like open up this emulation plugin in and
1: not sure it would have a lot of appeal yeah. <laughs> there'd be some like
0: really hardcore people that'll be like this is sick and yeah, they yeah, try prop, and sell it but like <laughs> proper nerds yeah
1: <laughs> uh yeah no cool ed said um just coming back to the the ep so Undone is, is, yeah, my favorite, because it kind of reminded me of, like, older tracks of yours that are, like, harder hitting, like, mm. yeah, no resistance and, and stuff like that. And the other one is is Pieces, so sorry to the, the collab partners, but my two favorites are... <laughs> <laughs> the two instrumental yeah. tunes, I'll take your, that, man. I'll take your that. solo <laughs> tracks, and I think it's, uh, like, not a coincidence, that Pieces, I don't know, came out as a single, because for me, that's the one of the strongest with with undone uh yeah t- t- tell me a bit about that tune because it's i, d- I just loved the kind of resampling that you did with the piano and uh.
0: yeah it was um so i don't know if you i imagine you probably have seen micas's like production streams that he used to do
1: yeah a few yeah
0: but he would he did these like sampling weeks where every week he'd ask for people to send in samples and he would take it and put it into serato sampler And he would always go on about how good it was. Um, and I was like, I need to get, I need to get it. And I didn't get it for the longest time. And then on splice, they put it on rent to own. Um, and stupidly, I rented it for like a month and then just paid the rest of the amount anyway. So I don't know why I didn't just buy it before, (laughs) but that besides the point, um, yeah. So I took that and then just had a bunch of piano samples, um, lying around. And I've always been a big fan of the tune Someone by Faction, which does that. It's got, like, a load of piano cuts and stuff in it. And every time I tried to do it with audio, I couldn't do it. Mm. It just didn't sound right, and I couldn't get a pattern right and whatever. And then, yeah, put the samples into Serato Sampler and told it to automatically, like, find the hits Mm. and just messed around on the keyboard for a while. I'm not a keys player, Um but it's all in the right key. Like it's all from the same sample, whatever. So it's just a case of messing around. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And again, like another really simple tune, right? Like once yeah. that piano bit was done and together, that's the, the tune, whole man. thing's done. Like yeah. pretty much. Um, Yeah. Like the vocal sample was easy to find, which is another godsend because finding vocal samples can be the worst experience in the world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was just like, Again, another thing of like trying something new that I hadn't tried before, mm. um, and it working out, and again a tune coming together really quickly
1: because of that. So yeah. So 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 I've never used Serato. What what does it does What does it do differently than just a regular sampler in, in Ableton or? It doesn't really. Um,
0: yeah, it, it. I think of just the way that it works. Just it, mm. it's quite good at working out these sort of cutting points for samples, okay. Yeah. Um, which is one of the handy things, right? Is like, and sometimes it's a little dodgy, so it will take a cut from like the middle of a chord. But if mm. you've got a chord and then you've got a little like phrase leading into the next chord and it cuts halfway through that chord, it means that the way that that phrase comes in is going to be slightly off. But mm-hmm. In a kind of nice way. It's not going to mm. be just a different chord on every hit. It's going to be like different inflections and yeah, melodies yeah, yeah. and whatever. Um,
1: or you're removing like the transient of the actual hit because it comes like, yeah. halfway in or something. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And you can go into each individual hit and, and you can do this in Ableton as well, but you can go into each individual hit and like reverse it or adjust the volume or add a filter or whatever. Mm. Um So there's a couple of the hits that are like reversed and things like that. Um, yeah yeah, yeah. but to be honest i think it's probably literally on the algorithm that's that's in it and the way that it finds these cutting points because it isn't just finding transients it must be doing something else yeah um but yeah Yeah. part of it is probably also like a mental thing right like in my head i'm like this is a new toy and it does this thing yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) so yeah
1: yeah and sometimes if the plugin just looks good like just visually the the interface sometimes it just inspires you to like work massively man
0: like I remember when Serum came out and I'd been using Massive for however many years before that. And as soon as Serum came out, I was just like, oh, my God. And, you know, fundamentally, they're the same tool. They, they're they mm. different and they sound different and the effects are different and whatever. But for me, like, I was able to do so many things in Serum when that came out compared to what I was able to do in Massive just because the interface was better. Um, yeah.
1: So. yeah, that's why I love to use Vital recently because it's so I don't know if you've tried it. But it's yeah. so it's yeah. so visual for somebody like me that's more like starting out. It's, uh, it just helps so much. Uh, yeah, I think it's like I'm a sound designer
0: by trade, quote unquote. But a lot of the sound design that I do is more musical than it is technical. Um, and so for me, it's the same thing, right? As you said, like it's just easier to understand if it's really visual yeah Um, Mm -hmm. and so stuff like vital and serum are just really handy because you can see every lfo moving everything and yeah it just makes way more sense
1: yeah and all the the effects like delay you can actually see the sound like bouncing away and stuff yeah it's it's (laughs) it's just really helpful
0: (laughs) yeah 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 man and it's also like more inviting because there's a thing of like it's the tools that you know right like the more you spend using something Mm -hmm. the better you'll get out of it um but if it's inviting to use, you're going to spend more time with it and thus yeah. get better at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah. So. yeah. yeah. The only thing with Violet is it's heavy as fuck in terms of like CPU, at least for my computer compared to. Oh, other okay. plugins, So Yeah, yeah. Which is a good thing because then I just need to render everything to audio straight away. So yeah, <laughs> Sometimes which is, so. you know, that's not a bad thing. So. <laughs> no, exactly. It's something I'm trying to do more of. Um but yeah, talking about sound design, it's something we didn't touch last time we spoke. Um, the The work you do with uh, Black Octopus. I don't know if yep. it's the only company you work for or not, but uh, I know you work for those guys. So tell me a bit about like what does that look like? What do you do exactly for them? Um, yeah, so it's... Nowadays, I'm more on the label
0: side than the sound designer side. Um, and so... I've done work for other companies. I did a bunch of stuff for Steinberg over the past couple of years um, for like sense that they were working on and stuff. Um, and the Black Octopus stuff used to be that I would do a lot of, you'd basically just sit down and, and make sounds, right? So that would be spending a, an hour making a bunch of kick drums and, and tweaking those and whatever. Um, as I said, a lot of mine was more musical, so it would be, creating like a synth sound in Serum that was like fairly simple and then writing nice chord progressions and Mm. melodies with that sound um, rather than making like massive neuro basses and things like that. Mm. Um, But nowadays it's more on the A&R side. So a lot of the sample pack stuff that I do is more vocal based. Um, As I did one with Nottel um, last year, I think that came out early last year. Um, and that was that she went and recorded a load of vocals and then that came back and I did all the production side of that. Mm, Um, and I've got a few of those sort of on the go. Um, but yeah, as I said, now it's more sort of A&R and, and managing our artists and the store and and the label side of it. Um, and then I can do the sound design stuff. Like when I want, like I've got a bunch of sounds that I will probably use for a pack at some point. Mm. Um, but it's not, I've not got to wake up at nine o'clock every
1: morning and write a hundred kicks. and then. (laughs) Um,
0: so it's nice to like take a step back from it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know actually that black, black octopus had a like label. I don't know what genre they do exactly.
0: Well, it's label in terms of like sample pack label. So we Ah, do have a music label. Um, but the music label is like tied to the sample pack side. Uh that's okay. not like my department as such, so I'll steer too clear of describing too much of that. But um yeah. in case I'd massacre it. But yeah, for, for us it's like artists will come to us or sound designers will come to us, and then it's my job, I guess, to like take what they've got, whatever level that's at, and turn that into a product that we then that we then mm. distribute and release. So
1: Okay, so if like somebody reaches out saying I'd like to do a sample pack for you guys and then you would like take their sounds and bring them up to standard or do you just Yeah, like so
0: sometimes it's as simple as like this is great, cool, we'll do it. I suppose it's the same as like a, a label A&R, right? Like a yeah. music label A&R. Um, Sometimes you'll get sent, you know, 10 tracks and they're amazing and sometimes you'll get sent stuff that needs a little bit of like um TLC to like get it up to where it should be. Um TLC, yeah so yeah it's um yeah sometimes it's more involved and sometimes it isn't Mm. um and sometimes it's like with the sample pack stuff it's you know sometimes it might be that the only problem is like files are in the wrong format or are named wrong or something okay Uh, and sometimes it's like all the kicks in this folder sound too similar or all the snares aren't there's not enough variation or
1: Mm. Or stolen <laughs> stolen from another sampler pack. Here. Yeah, well, that happens <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, is that is that kind of hard? Because you, you kind of have to be aware of everything that, that's going around.
0: Yeah, so it, at that point, it becomes the... So when an artist signs something with us, they're signing an agreement to say these are original sounds. Mm. Um, sometimes people don't know. Like, you can't use contact pianos, for example. Mm. Um, okay. Because it's a sample, and the license for that sample doesn't allow ah, you to. Ah, yeah. So sometimes yeah. it's things like that, and it's not
1: someone's fault, right? Um, Even if they write like a brand new chord progression with yep. it. Ah. Even if they write a brand
0: new chord progression. Because yeah, because it's the not a source of the sound. It's not it's generated.
1: Not. Yeah. Um.
0: So sometimes it's like stuff like that, and sometimes it's like they've taken a snare drum from someone else and just been like, "This is cool." Um, and I hear it a lot, like, um, you know, there are like. Chart-topping sample packs from big-name artists that are just ripped, and I, I could, I'll go no, through no. the pack and I'll be like, I know where these sounds are from, and some of them are like really blatant, um not processed or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what it'll be is like they've rendered, they've gone through projects of theirs and just taken the drums from those. But I, uh, and they just forgot those to. samples from other people. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and some people get away with it and some people don't. Um, It's probably the same as sampling in music, right? Like, there are probably some massive tunes that have uncleared samples in them. Outside of, obviously, like, the aim and break and the think break and stuff that has just become, like, fair play. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like, some people will get caught and then someone will put out, like, a tune that samples something for, like, a second on a really small label. And they'll get picked up and they'll be like, "You, you get taken down. It's just... Luck of the draw, I guess.
1: It's an unfair world.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Do do you have any like um, maybe tips for people that are, because I know a lot of people listening to this are producers and they love making music, but we all know making money or living from just making tunes is hard. So I love to kind of explore our avenues to make a living within the music world Mm. and sound design, sample packs is, is one of them do you have any like tips or advice for people that are maybe looking into that, like where to get started? Um, Yeah, two, I guess
0: like one is like, first of all, just approach labels. Like I have it where I'll just have artists approach me to do stuff. And that's how I got started is I was just making music and started approaching uh, sample labels and was like, this is what my music sounds like. Can I do stuff for you? Um, and if, the music's good enough. Like, I take on people all the time that haven't done sample packs, but they're good producers, and it's you can like coach people into mm-hmm. how to do it. And once you've done like one or two, it's an easy process from there. Um, and the other is that coming back to what I was saying before, like with um what Ben from QZB was saying, like just make samples yourself make it a part of your production routine because it's a good thing to do anyway right um you know spend half an hour in an evening just making drums or making basses or chords or whatever and you'll get used to that way of working um Mm. and it can even if you then you're like oh sample packs isn't a thing for me or whatever um you know or you're as an artist you like blow up or whatever you've still got something that will benefit your production
1: so. Yeah. yeah something i never really got into the habit of doing just too lazy
0: yeah well me neither <laughs> man um for the longest time because that it was a thing i when i started is you'd be watching like because i kind of sort of came up in the early 2010s and so that was all dubstep and mm. that kind of thing and that was very sound design heavy yeah um and people would have separate sound design sessions and would always talk about, like, oh, I, I just make bases and then they'll drag them through. And you? do it as well, right? Or did it, I guess. Mm. Um, RIP. Um, <laughs> and so it's, like, it was something that I was aware of people doing for a long time. Um, yeah, and then didn't do it, like you just said, and then picked it up and suddenly was like, this is actually
1: game-changing, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just don't spend enough time, like, making music so when i'm actually yeah. making music i can't be bothered to just dive into vital or whatever and just mess around for two hours
0: yeah i like, mean it basically becomes like music production admin i guess um, yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it's exactly. not like
1: the most exciting thing <laughs> to be doing but i mean some people love it like some people just live for like all the techie guys and they just live for like doing sound design and that's like yeah a core cool part of making their music i guess in i guess in my lane and maybe to some extent yours it's like more around the melody and the arrangement and the like chord progression and more yeah absolutely which is
0: to be (laughs) honest is probably why i slept on it for so long it's because i was just like and even now like even when i am doing this i'm not like making massive bass sounds and stuff because like why would i right it doesn't yeah even when i do like a darker heavier tune it's very sub driven it's not yeah. you know like huge techy sounds or whatever um it might be like fm on a sub or something but it's nothing crazy so
1: yeah yeah but you do have like a fair amount of like bass little bass edits and growls and stuff like that even though it's like tamer yeah. than your neurofunk it's still there yeah
0: but they're simpler than um <laughs> simpler than they sound probably um uh, they they're not good. like they're not like the most they're not got massive effects chains or whatever on them usually.
1: Yeah. Well, nobody cares, though. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ta- just talking about like your your sound. I had a question from a uh, Shaky, my uh, YouTube uh, editor, who's a huge fan of yours. Uh, he was kind of asking, in your eyes, what kind of makes the telomic sound? Oh. <laughs> um. I don't know, man.
0: Um, it's a hard one, I know, but yeah atmosphere i guess um i've always so when i started i saw it as a problem less so now but i've always had this thing of like whenever i try and write a tune no matter how heavy or techie or whatever that tune is i'll always end up throwing like a big atmosphere over it or Mm. you know like making it melodic in some way shape or form um and so i've gravitated to this production of just like having loads of atmosphere and, and all of that going on all the time. um. So, uh, atmosphere is probably the best way I'd describe it. um. And a lot of it comes down to, like, when I was starting producing, I was, or started producing drum and bass, I was just trying to copy a load of guys, and I couldn't quite do it, and Talomic, like, fell out of that. Mm. Um, Guys like Etherwood and Sattel and... Alex Perez and, and guys like that, like trying to copy what they were doing and not being good enough to do it. Um, and Tolomek sort of came out of an amalgamation of trying to do all of these different artists' sounds and not yeah. quite getting it, but like merging all these bits from these different people.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, which apparently is what Rob Swire did as well. So okay, it, it can only be a good thing, right?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that that kind of made me think to um I don't know if you saw the documentary on Avicii which is a, Oh yeah. It's uh Avicii True Stories it's called came out a few years ago. It's I hadn't seen it yet and it's Yeah, brilliant.
0: it's a heavy watch.
1: It's uh, a, it, it, it it's a very yeah. heavy watch, uh, but it's like it it's it's really worth watching. Um I saw it once by myself and then a few days later with my wife a second time yeah. cuz I just loved it and I wanted to to show it to her and he he talks about it at the start where he was getting into in into making music and he's he was just ripping off other people's sound basically, like just yeah. copying other uh house DJs and producers. And then he said once you do that a hundred times, you end up like doing your own stuff and kind of going like improvising and doing other stuff and finding your sound. But everybody starts by copying other people i think it's yeah
0: and i think um when i was in a band i think it was our producer that said it to us and this was like when i was a teenager but um if you're trying to copy like one person it's really obvious but if you're trying to copy like all of your influences and inspirations you are the only person who has that exact spectrum of venn diagram
1: of yeah uh, (laughs) exactly
0: you're the only person in the middle of that venn diagram right yeah um And so if you're doing it that way, I think it's a really good way to like find your sound. I mean, the more that you stray out of your genre and your bubble when you're looking for those inspirations, like I grew up in a lot of like pop punk and metal and stuff, or you look at someone really obvious like Kino, where it's a very classical influenced, Mm -hmm. um, or he's a very classically influenced artist. The more you draw from outside of that bubble, the more unique your sound is going to be um Mm. but you're the only person with that collection so by copying all these people if you're taking bits from everybody then sure like you're gonna create a unique sound as i said it's really obvious when someone's copied like one or two artists Mm. um but yeah if you're copying from loads of people
1: go for it go nuts yeah i forget what i read a quote a few a few weeks ago i forget how it went exactly i think it's like originality is the art of hiding your sources or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> sounds about <laughs> which, right, man. Which I love. It's like yeah. everybody's inspired and everybody's copying somebody else to some extent. It's yeah. just how well can you like hide it, quote unquote, and package it into something new? Uh, yeah, and there's the
0: um the great artists steal
1: quote as well. What it's like I can't that?
0: remember. It's like good artists copy and great artists steal oh, yeah. or something. I can't remember how it goes. Oh yeah, out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I heard that. Yeah. yeah yeah no exactly everybody's stealing and copying from other people it's just yep. is it blatant or are you adding your own flavor to it that's yeah the name yeah, of the exactly. in the end and i think that comes
0: like i said now at this point if i was to take influence from another artist i've been doing telomic long, long enough now that you can like take that and inject it into what mm. a tolomic like production session is yeah um mm-hmm but it's as yeah as we've just said it's a great way to like find if you don't know what your sound is
1: yet like it's a really great way to find it as well so yeah yeah no, absolutely yeah i'm gonna slowly wrap this up man it's been a yeah yeah absolute pleasure One hour has flown by as always with you yeah. <laughs> uh i do want to touch on one last thing which i wanted to talk about a year ago and i didn't have uh we didn't have the chance to do it and It's one of your very older tracks, uh, which I I said. (laughs) I said, oh, gosh. (laughs) No, no, not a gosh at all, because I think it's going to probably stay. I don't know if this is good or bad, but my favorite track of yours for a very, very long time. uh, And that's Onism. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I just love that track and I'll listen to it forever, I think. Uh, Thanks a lot, man. do Do you remember writing that track? Do you remember how it came about? Any... Anything interesting about it. <laughs> One of the things I
0: remember from that session was sending it to Terra Firma over and over again, and every time I sent it back, the only feedback I got was like, turn the clap down a bit. <laughs> every time. <laughs> it's um, really loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clearly it was it must have been like ten DB louder when I sent it the first version. <laughs> um but yeah, I remember writing it. Um funny enough, the fur so Aperio did a remix of it. Yeah, and the first interaction and upload I had with Liquidity was the Aperio remix of that tune. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. Um, oh god, there's a really good tune that influenced it. Uh, I can't remember what it is now. Um, but I'd heard like a almost. It was obviously someone had written something that was inspired by Ivy Lab. Okay, yeah, and I'd then been inspired by that because of the drums. I just loved the idea of like. Coming back to when I was doing the dubstep stuff, everything was like massive 200 hertz snares and like big noise layers over the top and all of this. And so the idea of because that was early tolomic stuff, like the idea of writing a tune that was just a snap, basically, as a yeah. as a snare was was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it was cool.
1: Yeah, it's such a unique like <clears throat> you've never done something quite like it since then, I feel. And mm. at least to me, it really stands out in your discography because yeah even the like kick snare pattern is kind of like weird and yep and yeah that snare is like just a very loud click that's kind of what it is yeah (laughs) that'll be um just the kick pattern
0: will definitely be the like ivy lab in fact to be honest in a bit i'll probably find the tune and it'll turn out that it's got exactly the same kick (laughs) pattern well um but yeah it's just again like you know taking little bits from people and injecting it into your own music i guess
1: yeah yeah no absolutely it's been a pleasure man uh yeah, thanks always. a lot for thanks a lot for your time again um before we close it off maybe let people know yeah upcoming shows that you have that you can that you can talk about or any other projects that you want to talk about yeah
0: um shows is a weird one uh mm. so there's a few liquidity ones coming up later in the year i think may got liquidity festival in june there's liquidity spring Mm. festival in the end of april i think Mm. um if people keep their eyes out there's a few london shows coming up may no march april time i think Uh, one is definitely march but i can't say what it is yet but that should be announced fairly probably by the time this goes out to be honest Mm. um yeah so sort of keep an eye on socials obviously it's a bit of a difficult one at the moment uh, and then the Come With Me EP, which, again, will be out by the time this comes out. Stream mm-hmm. it so that I can get £3 and buy myself a beer. Yeah. Uh, that would be why well I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck with uh, the EP release and, and with the upcoming shows, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank you. Cheers.